One power, one power. There is only one. There's only one because one is enough. One individual, universal, and perfect expression of life. We call it God. We call it spirit. We call it all those names that, uh, that uh, Daniel was singing about. So I'm here to remind you that such is the nature of life that all it asks and all it wants is the opportunity to appear. You are that opportunity. So am I. And so it is. I want to welcome you this morning to the Center for Spiritual Living Midtown, Atlanta. Although while that is our focus and where we, we sort of flow from, we have folks on, on here involved in this from all over the all over the country and sometimes all over the world. So I'm very grateful that you chose to take some time to spend with us, to spend with these ideas, to spend getting a better opportunity and a better way to bring your life forward into a, a greater expression of good and the goodness that matters to you. So whoever you are, we know who you are. Ha ha, we do. We know that you are an expression of the divine. We don't know your name, perhaps, or your personality or all those other things that we use to, to define ourselves, your pronouns, your sexual identity, your, your sexual preferences, your ethnicity, your uh, racial uh, connections, none of that. But what we do know is that what in the midst of and because of and as part of all of that, that is your divine expression of the infinite showing up in one particular individual way. So we honor you. We believe in you. We believe in the ability of every human being to tap into that greater truth within them and bring it forth in rich and wonderful ways. So knowing that and knowing that you are here with us to celebrate we celebrate you, we celebrate each other. We come together this morning to have some good ideas and to share some things, some ideas. So to know more about who we are, you might want to go to our website, Center for Spiritual Living Midtown.org, where we have a lot of information and a lot of ideas. We'd also invite you to uh, uh, listen now as we share a part of our Declaration of Principle. I believe. I believe. I believe in one God. One absolute power and first cause to all things. I believe that this power is perfect love. And creates out of a desire to express love. I believe all thought is creative and how I choose to think creates my personal experience. I believe in the unity of all life. And the immortality of the individual soul. Forever unfolding. I believe. I believe. I believe in the eternal goodness. The eternal goodness of God. The eternal loving kindness. And the eternal givingness of God to all. And so it is. And so it is. And so it is. And so it is. You just saw and kind of met a number of the leaders and practitioners who, who are the core of this community. Uh, some of them are board members. Some of them are what we call practitioners. Practitioners are folks who know how to practice the principles 
of life according to new thought uh, philosophy and according to science of mind philosophy. What we, what we do and what we believe is that by understanding how the universe works, how life works, we can make better use of it for ourselves because that's why we're here is to enjoy life and to be part of life. We've already had it all given to us. What we, what we get to do then is discover and find our way through and, and finding the joy and the freedom and the peace of living it and living it well. A practitioner is someone who has done that for themselves. doesn't mean they, they have arrived because none of us arrive. We're all growing. We're all always finding new depth and new power and new goodness in our lives. But a practitioner is someone who has, has demonstrated the ability to do that. And even though everyone who practices this teaching is a practitioner, those who are licensed practitioners have demonstrated they can do this for themselves and they can assist you along the way towards your goals and dreams and ideas of a fuller expression of life. So today we have one of our practitioners with us who will be sharing uh, some words and then leading us in a, in a affirmative prayer, spiritual mind treatment. She first walked into a class a while, a number of years ago, not long after I got here and uh, sort of blew me away because she was back in town after being in Kuwait. And it wasn't just that fact, but the articulate clarity with which she spoke the teaching and spoke the ideas of the teaching. So I am very grateful to be able to introduce to you today, the absolutely wonderful Maya. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Bob. Good morning, CSL Midtown. This practitioner session is going to be a period of self-reflection followed by personal prayer treatment. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I want you to actually answer them, whether in your mind, you can answer out loud if you're in a space where you feel free to do so. If you're on Facebook or YouTube or Zoom, you can type a number one in the chat, as the cool kids say. If your answer to this question I'm about to ask is yes. So I'm going to ask you some questions and I want you to answer for yourself. Remember, this is a period of self-reflection. Who here truly desires to be happy, loved, appreciated, fulfilled, well provided for, and at peace? Who here truly desires to be happy, loved, appreciated, fulfilled, well provided for, at peace. Okay, question number two. Listen carefully, because it's similar to the first question, but not exactly the same. Who here truly believes that you can be happy, loved, fulfilled, well provided for, at peace? which would be great because in this new thought science of mind teaching, we teach that life happens to you according to your belief. So type a one in the chat, answer in your mind, um, answer out loud or raise your hand. Who here truly believes that you can be happy, loved, fulfilled, well provided for, at peace, etc. And question number three, who here truly believes that you can be happy, loved, appreciated, fulfilled, well provided for, at peace, at all times, every moment, all the time. 
at all times, every moment, all the time. So I imagine you might be thinking, wait, at all times, every moment, all the time? That sounds a bit extreme. Most of us would like to say yes, because you know we're all in science of mind. We're all students and practitioners here. But based on the way we've been taught in this world, is that really realistic? Some of us might have said yes, but most, at least with some hesitation. So even those who may have said yes, but with some hesitation, that hesitation indicates there's, that there's some wavering there, some doubt in there, because how realistic is it for everything to be good all the time, to be happy, loved, appreciated, fulfilled, well provided for, at peace, etc., all the time? To most people, it just doesn't seem realistic because life has given us lots of evidence to support the contrary. I mean, I can experience all the great good some of the time, a lot of the time, even most of the time. But if not all the time, what am I expecting to experience instead during those other, other periods? So we have all these time slots, all these slots filled with great good, happiness, love, appreciation, fulfillment, provision, peace, etc. And then those other slots where I can't expect for that to be happening all the time, what am I expecting to experience instead? What do I believe? Is done unto us according to our belief. Life happens, life unfolds according to our belief. Another question, final question. Who here truly desires to have periods of time where you experience something other than good, other than being happy, loved, appreciated, fulfilled, well provided for, at peace, etc.? Type one in the chat. If you truly desire to experience something other than being happy, loved, fulfilled, appreciated, well provided for, at peace, etc. My educated guess is that most of us did not raise our hand for that one. So I don't want to have periods of time in my life where I experience something other than good because I know that life happens to me according to my belief. And yet I hesitate to say that I expect to experience great good at all times, at every moment, all the time. So I submit to you, my dear friends, that for most of us, no matter how long we've been in this teaching, we still have some room to grow, to work on our belief, to work on our consciousness of good. But not to worry, I have great news for you. Not only is our wise Dr. Bob Dean going to deliver a message that will support you in nurturing your consciousness of good, I am gonna help you to prepare your mind to receive that message of good through the following spiritual mind treatment. You're welcome in advance. We settle into this moment knowing that there is one presence, one power in the universe. That presence, that power is God, infinite, intelligent life that lives and moves and has its being in all, through all, as all. There is one life. That life is God, and God's mind is my mind right now. I cannot be separated from this 
one presence, this one presence that is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, all providing, all. Nothing can be separated from this good. There's only one and everything is one with this, with this, this presence and the nature of this presence is good. All good. The nature of this presence is all good and I cannot be separated from it and nothing is separated from it. So therefore, in the words, as in the words of Ernest Holmes, good and more good is mine. And ever increasing good is mine. There is no limit to the good which is mine. Everywhere I go, I see this good. I feel it. I experience it. It crowds itself against me, flows through me, expresses itself in me, and multiplies itself all around me, and comes out in my in experiences in my body, life, world, and affairs as myriad expressions of good. All good, all the time. I give thanks that this is the truth. I allow it to be. And so it is. Amen. Wow. Get ready, my soul. Thank you, Daniel Neymar. And wow, Maya, thank you so much. I told y'all. Mm -hmm. She's good. and She's right on. So building a consciousness of good, how to do that, how to do more of it than what perhaps you've done before. That's the theme today. First time I walked into a Science of Mind church, it was the Atlanta Church of Religious Science back in around, I think it was about 1985. And um, <clears throat> I was, I went there because I had been in a 12-step program and my sponsor said, you got to go add some other things to it. So I did. And I got there and I had was in the midst of working on a doctorate in uh, pastoral care and pastoral um, counseling. And I was struggling with the idea that there there's all of these wonderful religions and they all have their stories and they're all part of of some kind of um, cultural expression of what God is, what life's about, how it works. And I kept thinking there must be something behind that. And I've been writing about it and, and doing some research in the library about it, trying to trying to find what that might be. Um, I walked into the Science of Mind Church that, that Sunday and heard Kennedy Schultz talking and talking about something called spiritual mind treatment, which sounded like bringing in the white coats, guys. Uh, it wasn't. It was, simply, it was simply a very specific way of talking about prayer and prayer that isn't about making God do something or getting God's attention because obviously he's not paying attention. He is not paying attention. It's a he God up there somewhere. Not that at all. Instead, it's a process for changing our minds. Building that faith, that, uh, that, that thing that Maya was talking about, where our beliefs really do matter and manage our physical and experiences in the life and in the world. And I don't remember much about what he said, except in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is a bunch of hocus pocus. And 
I'm going to prove it real fast and it either works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, I'm out of here because I didn't, I'd already had a stint as a minister in another denomination and I'd gotten pretty well burned out and not only burned out on the, the activity of that, but in the um, belief systems of it. So um, I bought a little booklet by Raymond Charles Barker called How to Do Spiritual Mind Treatment. And I, I maybe I think it just says treatment on it. The um, <clears throat> and I took it home and I read it and I read all about how do you do this? What's the process? What's the system? How? What's the the belief behind it? And I wrote myself a spiritual mind treatment. Up until then in my life, my sinuses had always been congested. I had been on. I had never breathed through my nose, not since childhood, uh, without the help of medication and even with that it was often a struggle and often difficult <clears throat> i seem to be allergic to everything so my treatment was talked about how there's only one power and that power is life and it's bringing life to all parts of me it went on and talked about um uh that that therefore my body responds perfectly and there and since it's all of made of god there's nothing in the atmosphere the universe the the world around me that could do harm to me or even wanted to. And I created this whole image of my sinuses being lined with Teflon. So little pieces of pollen wouldn't stick and other things wouldn't stick and everything would go clean and clear. And I wrote it and it was a bit facetious actually the way I wrote it because I was like, okay, we're, we're going to eat this. I don't really think this is going to work, but let's try and see. And I made the commitment to do it every day. I read it every morning. And um, and I would work it out. Uh, I was intrigued enough that I kept going back on Sundays, coming in late, sitting in the back, leaving early before I had a chance to anybody to try to get me to be a member. Oh, my goodness. Um, assuming they were after something from me. Um, they weren't. There were about 800 people involved at that time. So they were one more wasn't that big a deal. But I didn't know that I was hiding out. Um, so what happened was after about six weeks, I noticed I wasn't taking my, uh, as needed medication to keep my nose clear. I just had forgotten about it because I wasn't using it anymore. And in another week or two, I was not taking any medication for sinuses, for allergies, for any of that. And I was breathing free and clear through my nose. And I went, oh, dear, this is wonderful. And this is calling forth something new for me that I never imagined myself to, to ever be doing, which is diving into a whole new way of thought and living and faith. So the science of mind for me and at that moment became a, a curiosity, a challenge, and a very big part of what was to be the rest of my life. Since then, I went on to classes. I went on and dug into the teaching. I read everything I could find about it. The, um, I got to know some people in the group. And slowly, we, we began going to brunch every Sunday after, after church. That was our social life, part of our social life. And um, my life began to change and transform. I began to do things and participating things before that I never imagined I could do. I, I knew I wanted them, 
they talked about this conference out on the west coast and at a, at a CLR, this beautiful location. And I thought, I don't have the money for that. But man, I would love to go. You know, and somehow the next year, the money was there and we went and and stood not far from where I'm standing right now because I'm in Santa Cruz, California, looking out at the ocean. I'm sorry, I can't show you because then you couldn't see me. And I'm, uh, uh, and there I was. Later in, in my life in this teaching, as I grew into becoming, a, in, into being a minister and being a um practitioner before that i had always dreamed of machu picchu it was the only color picture in my growing up world book encyclopedia we had the black and white version and there were about four or five through the whole thing color pictures one of them was machu picchu and sure enough a few years later there i found myself in machu picchu now none of that just happened magically but what happened was i changed my consciousness and my belief systems so that these things begin to unfold for me. And I've made numerous trips back there since then and to other places in the world because travel to me is such an exciting thing. There's such a great world of, of, of experience and things to see and do and participate in and honor and celebrate and welcome. <clears throat> and that had been my life dream and goal. So I'm absolutely here to tell you that it is it is possible to do what Maya talked about. It's always room for growth. I have not arrived anywhere other than at a greater depth of truth and, and, and appreciation for the great mystery that God is, that spirit is, that life is, even though it is not that mysterious because it is all that we are and all that we show up as. So I have a couple of things to share with you today about <clears throat> how, the how. I mean, to me, uh, spirituality and religion, uh, I, I first read about uh, pragmatic religion when I was working on a Master of Divinity degree, degree, and that the idea that American pragmatism says that unless something has a practical application, it's probably useless. Excuse me. Well, I don't believe anything is that use, really useless. But what, what is important to me is that, that our belief systems, our spirituality, our sense and connection with this thing we call God has a practical application and purpose in our lives to bring greater love, to bring greater freedom, to bring greater prosperity, to bring a greater sense of being alive and well. So I want to share two different um, systems that I have used over these years. Um, as, as uh, ways in which to build and build and build and build this consciousness of good, this expectation that God is good and good is for me right here and right now and always. And I don't have to make limitations on it. I don't have to pretend it's something it isn't. I just have to get very clear in my own consciousness what I believe. So the first, the first of those was something I called PACT, P-A-C-T to make a pact with myself to do these things in order to live a greater, freer, more full life. And the pact had four, four letters and therefore four parts. The pact that is the P is pay attention to my thought. 
you know, and that one takes some learning. If you haven't, if you're new to all of this and you, you say, well, I, I, I know what I'm thinking, but do you really? Do you know where your mind goes when you're sitting in the traffic light waiting for it to change? Or when you don't have anything specifically engaging and involving your mind so that your, your attention, your thoughts just kind of traveled or whatever. And it becomes really important in this teaching to pay attention and learn to pay attention. What is it I'm continuously, habitually thinking about? Am I thinking about ain't it awful? Am I sitting at the red light wondering if somebody's going to tear open my door and steal my car? Am I wondering or just ruminating in my head about the past, things that used to be, things that used to happen and things that might be the same or, or different or worse in the future? And I and I suggested you I suggest you do that to begin with I, and encourage people to, and myself. I carried a little three by five card in my pocket. And at random times of the day, when I would think about it, or I had an alarm on my clock that on my watch that would go off at different times, and it would go off. And at that moment, what am I thinking about? Oh, wow. And write it down. So I begin to gather information in terms of paying attention to my thinking. And with the intention and the idea that I would move toward greater thinking about my good, not about the problems that might be going on. And also just to give me a picture of myself, what's going on here? The A of PACT is, is one that I Kennedy Schultz used to talk about, and I loved hearing him talk about it. It's like, always speak highly of yourself, especially to yourself. But he would, he would go on to say, but maybe not in public. Because it's always socially acceptable it's not socially acceptable to always speak highly of yourself, but it's always spiritually necessary. And I really loved that. And I love that idea and began to really work with it because most of the time I didn't. I, I still occasionally catch myself saying I'm sorry for stuff that I have no business being sorry for and find myself um, in, in back in those early days, though, I, I really did not think too much of me. And I was one of those people who hid in the crowd. I could be in a group of people, go to dinner, to a dinner party with a group of people, not say a word and be invisible and not people not even realize that I had been there until it was all over and I was gone. And then as I began to wake up and pay attention and, and always speak highly of myself in my own mind, I began to realize that what I had to say mattered, what I thought mattered. Not only to me, but it might matter to someone else. And so I began to share it. And my life went through a whole transformation where I'm now standing in front of a camera talking to you, looking at the beach. I mean, it's pretty wonderful. And and never in my wildest dreams back in those days did I think I would be doing this kind of anything like this kind of life or this kind of work. Always speak highly of yourself to yourself and to others, because that has changed in our world, depending on the tone and the way in which you do it to speak highly of yourself to other people is really okay these days it changed and transformed as did the method for noticing and paying attention to your thoughts which we've all got cell phones now we have all sorts of ways to track what we're thinking and doing and i encourage you to consider doing that so you so pay attention to your thinking always speak highly of yourself and then the c is put consciousness first 
And it's a kind of a fun little, little reminder that in the word react and create, create has the same letters as react, but the C is in the front of the word and not buried in the middle somewhere. So always when something's going on, when you see a problem, when there seems to be something messing up in your life or in the world, go to consciousness. What's the consciousness behind that? What's the thought? What's the belief? What's the feeling? What's the idea? And as you start to pay attention to that, your consciousness begins to grow and expand. And you begin to be aware that, oh my goodness, I have this habitual thought of being a victim. Of my world not working because I'm being victimized or I'm victimized by what's happening. And and, and as we get clear about that, we begin to have the, the opportunity to make different choices, to stop ourselves, to use interruptions in our thinking to get away from that. One of the things I learned in the 12-step program was, was to enter, if, if you're going to obsess about something, why not obsess about a good idea? So when you find those things just rolling around in your head, replace it. Instead of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, something terrible is going to happen. But that there would be a really... Um, Difficult, noisy way to say, God is good. God is good. God is good. I am good. Life is good. Life is good. Life is good. You know, if you start repeating that when you're when you've got one of those squirrels going in your head, it's interesting how soon the squirrel loses interest and you begin to feel better and maybe can go back to sleep if it's happening in the middle of the night. So the, the, the fourth idea of making a pact with yourself is treat. Learn how to do spiritual mind treatment. It is a specific scientific method for prayer that changes our consciousness, not God's, because God's just fine. God's been doing God for a long time. Everything's doing, doing well. But we are the ones with the challenge. So our versions of life need to be shifted and changed. Spiritual mind treatment helps us change our minds. And, and eliminate those ideas and thoughts and beliefs based on old history and old truth. Because the, because the truth is, life begins anew in every moment. We know that from quantum physics. We know that from understanding time and understanding how <clears throat> creation works on the, on the subatomic level. It starts brand new every moment, every nanosecond. It looks like it's continuous, but just like the film, you know, you see a film and, and it looks like it's a continuous moving thing. But on the old film in the old days, and maybe now there were boxes and each one was slightly different than the one before it. And each one was separate. That's kind of how life is unfolding for us. That's how the world works. We go through this, this, this constant, it's just flowing so quickly and so richly and so fully that we don't see the breaks, nor should we. But we can change it on, on a dime because of that. We can turn around and go a different direction. And this is where my treatment with the sinuses came in and, and more treatments about so many different things since then. Now, the first time I did this talk or, or a similar presentation to this at CSL Midtown Atlanta, uh, our beloved, beloved Ross Cheers, who is a, was a practitioner before I was a, even knew about this teaching and has since made his transition and is, is 
no longer with us in, on the planet, but it's with us in our minds and hearts. He made the statement after this, afterwards. He was always offering me corrections, which was all done in love and done in uh, fun, because we had we had a lot of fun about that. He uh, he came up to me after the service and said, "I got another I got another letter for you. It's not a pact. It's a pax. P a c t s, and the s is support." Get support of others who think like you do, who are on a path towards more positive good in their lives and let them support you. Whether that's a practitioner, whether it's being part of a community like CSL Midtown, whether it's some other thing you haven't thought of. But it's a very necessary part of growing and building to have the support around you. Someone said to me this last week in a, in a meeting that uh, look at the five people, look at your five closest friends and the five people you spend the most time with that will tell you who you are. Not because you need to do anything about them, but simply because it gives us a picture of where our support network is and the kinds of thoughts and ideas and beliefs that are being supported. So you may need to find a support network that's different from your current one. I used to do a lot of work as a therapist among uh, alcohol and, and uh, families with alcoholism and other addictions. And one of the first things we do is you've got to get a new group of friends, because if your friends are supporting you're using, it's not going to help you get sober. It's not going to help you stay sober and find a richer, bigger, deeper life because they don't know how. There's nothing wrong with them. They just don't know. Find a support network. A support and this this community provides that this is a tight-knit beautiful community of people who are committed who love each other who love 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 this idea of the teaching and want to and will carry it not want to they will carry it forward from this moment i'm as you probably know by now this is my last talk as senior minister i'm retiring but this community is not ending and these wonderful wonderful people who you've seen some of and who you heard from today with Maya are going forward in building this community. And I'll get back to that in a minute. But before I do, I want to tell you about one other thing uh, in terms of growing that expectation of, of, of good, that expectation of, of life being what you want it to be. There is. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, my apologies. I just distracted myself. Mind is a terrible thing to waste. Shiny things. You know how that is. Squirrel. Oh, yeah. Well, coming back to where we are, this other process is called fear to faith. And it's part of a co larger co-creation process in which we take a solid look and look straight at those things you fear the most. Because fear is what holds us back from faith. Fear is what stands against our faith. Fear is what would say the fear actually is faith in something we don't want. So if we can look at our fears and shift and change those into a positive idea, then our lives unfold in a more positive direction. So that being true, then, um, and again, we teach fear to faith, Center for Spiritual Living. Folks have access to that information and they can help you. There's some stuff. There was some things about it on the line on the website. I think it's still there. Investigate it. Find out. Ernest Holmes said in the textbook, 
this is not about turning away from what's really happening in ourselves or in the world. It's not pretending there's good when there isn't. It's not about lying to ourselves. It is about looking any discordant fact in the face squarely and looking at it and going deeper into it until you see through it to the greater good. That can be a challenge. It can be a challenge in, in worldview. It can be a challenge in our own personal views of ourselves. But it becomes less of a challenge when you're always speaking highly of yourself to yourself. Because then things start to shift in what they mean and how they make sense or don't make sense. Instead of thinking there's something wrong with me, you begin to realize that my current confusion is simply the opportunity for something more to come forward. Confusion means, means you're about to step into something greater. Not knowing means there's something within you that knows that's ready to reveal to you and, and it's not going to be based on the past and what you used to think. Something in you knows the better idea. So, as I said, this is my last talk as your senior minister. I have some mixed emotions about that. I'm very sad and I'm very happy because I'm stepping off into a new adventure of my own as a retired minister. Well, we, there's no such thing as retiring from ministry, but there is a retiring from there are there is such a thing as retiring from particular assignments or jobs, and that's what I'm doing. And as you go forward as a community, and I think as our whole movement goes forward as a community, there is one vitally important thing that has to happen for it to be successful. So get out your pens and paper. Here it is. Most important thing to do moving forward is to move from a minister-centric organization to a community and mission-centric organization. Other mainline denominations learned that a long time ago. <clears throat> and the ones that have continued to be successful are the ones where everybody knows the mission and purpose of why they're there. Whether the minister up front is somebody they like or don't like, they're there because it is purposeful and, and they're on a mission to be part of something. For us to, as we move forward and as this, this group, and we have, a, as I said, we have a strong leadership group here that is in, going, is in the process of defining and redefining what, what is the mission and then calling all of you to it. So whoever you are out there on, on listening, whether you're one of the regulars on our uh, meeting in person on the first Sundays of the month, whether you are someone who just watches once in a while, whatever your role, however this is influencing you, I invite and encourage you to let this community become part of your support network and to become part of the support network to the community as the mission and vision of teaching spiritual principle in a way that brings change to everyone's lives continues to go forward. So you're the best. You're the best at the Center for Spiritual Living. And what we have, what we have done over the last five years is create this core <clears throat> of strong leaders who've been freed up to bring their gifts in a great and wonderful and powerful way. I encourage you to support it and join it because as I leave and as you go forward, only wonderful and amazing things can come from it. 
because you will do amazing things. Amazing. Amazing. You will do amazing things. Thanks, Dr. Bob. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Michael saw that amazing things. We will do amazing things. And with your support, that's that's what I'm here to talk about. Our um, prosperity, your opportunity to give to this wonderful mission that we have for the Center for Spiritual Living Midtown Atlanta. You can go to cslmidtown.org slash donate or scan the QR code. It'll take you right to the donation site to give. And if you would say our affirmation of prosperity with me, as I, I live in a universe of abundance, as I freely and joyfully give, I join in the divine flow and all that I share with life returns to me multiplied abundantly. And so it is. And I turn it over to Lee Huffman, our president, for some announcements. Thank you, Vance. Um, Maya and Bob, those fantastic talks today. And uh, thank you so much. We are going to miss you, Bob. And um, I know we're still going to stay in contact, but we're going to miss you here at the center. Um, several announcements today. First off, next week, it's fall. So um, it's time to fall back. Set your clocks back and um, do that before you go to sleep on Saturday. And if you don't, then you'll end up coming to the brunch instead of coming to the service when you meet us, which is the second announcement. We're having our live face-to-face -face meeting. We'll be both live and online, but we'll be live at the Garden Hills Recreation Center at 339 Pine, there you go, thank you. Uh, 339 Pine Tree Drive in Atlanta, Georgia at 1045. So please come and join us. And then after we have a great talk by our friend and a guest minister, Reverend, Reverend Dr. John Carn, um, it'll be followed by brunch and we will have a good time of fellowship and just please come to that. And as I said, if you don't set your clocks back, you can still come. You'll just come to brunch. Update on the transition team. Um, we made excellent progress. The whole year is filled out with guest speakers and a whole new system for having to communicate to them to make sure everybody's there and that everything runs smoothly for the service, uh, songs and things like that. That's all taken care of. And uh, we have a much better understanding as to uh, what we as a community need to move forward real powerfully and do amazing things. So that's been just fantastic to have this team working together to move us forward and all the sub teams. We've also been working with CSL's home office to understand why it takes a year to 18 months to find a new minister. And it really does because we want to find the right minister for the center. And meanwhile, we're going to have some great guest speakers. Now we need your participation in two big ways. First off, we need your participation by coming and joining us on Sunday. The first Sunday of each month, we're going to continue those services, and it's at the Garden Hills Recreation Center. So I've said that a couple of times, but I really would like to see more people come out there. And then the second thing is even bigger, and we're seeing it more and more. Um, 
Ever since the pandemic, churches and spiritual centers have been digging into their cash reserves, and we're no different from that. As a matter of fact, the Catholic Church is no different from that. There's been three articles with the at, uh, in the New York Times about the impact this is having on the Catholic Church and their reserves. Now, if we had their reserves, we probably wouldn't have to talk about this, but uh, we don't. And so we would like to ask people to give. We know, first off, we know there are some of you that are giving greatly, and we appreciate that. And uh, we don't want you to feel bad about it because you're doing great. Continue giving to us. But those that haven't, just like National Public Radio, we are supported by you. So there's the website, cslmidtown.org donate. Please come to that site and give as you can to the center. So with all those in, we look forward to seeing everybody next week and all come together. So next, there you go, Bob. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, everyone. Um, I'm just here to close out and to tell you my heart will always be with you. You'll always be in my heart as I move forward in my life. And I know that you will, you are doing the same. So join me, if you will, in our closing affirmation. I leave this place now knowing something better than I knew before. I go forth into the world with a heart full of love and a mind full of good sense. I look at the world in a greater way, knowing that I have within me everything I need to create the life I desire. I give thanks for this understanding. I am grateful for the spirit of life that lives through me. And so it is.